Welcome to the 428th consecutive week of Cinema PsyOps. I'm your host, Court, the guy who only plays the theme song now at the intro to be able to take a couple of hits and sneak those in of that legal-derived hemp high that he's all a big fan of. And joining me all the way across the city of Omaha is my not-so-high co-host, Matt. I'm not. I'm straight up just normal. Stupid. Yeah, you gotta run <laughs> to work after this bullshit, so we don't have time to fool around. We gotta... No, we, we really we gotta, don't. We got two episodes to get in and a short amount of time to do it in. <laughs> yeah, one of them we have to talk about Lord Gemser. So, <laughs> yes, the Gemsner glamour coverage will finally start next week for everyone. But this week we get to talk about my favorite Easter film of all time, Resurrection. Your favorite? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it went different than what, how I read about it. But, you know, uh, listen, who's to say? <laughs> Yeah, I don't remember the Stations of the Cross quite being executed as if it's the script from Seven, but, you know, we can get there yeah, when we get there. But it is what it is sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this obviously came out in the wake of Seven, right? Yeah. I mean, it, 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 I don't know what year Seven was versus this one, to be perfectly honest, and I kind of want to look it up now just to make sure. But I know this one was 1999. Yeah, seven was before ninety nine for sure. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. This is- seven was like uh, I think Gwyneth Paltrow and Brad Pitt were still a thing. So that's like maybe ninety six, ninety seven, ninety five. So yeah, it was it was four 95? years later oh. that this came out. This is one of the many. Uh, hey, y'all seen uh, seven clones? Hey, y'all got any more of them sevens? <laughs> Yeah, 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 absolutely. Uh, The thing that's really interesting about this one, though, is it kind of goes into a different direction and it becomes more of a very dour police procedural look. And it focuses in on that sort of like what Seven was doing, but more so to the point where you end up feeling like you're watching an extended episode of SVU almost, don't you? Yeah, like Law and Order. That's what I got, too. I got that like a lot. I was like, huh, that's kind of fucking cool. (laughs) Yeah. My wife would be really upset with me if I didn't at least reference uh, Resident Alien with the bad news for you, Calzette. Uh, Lenny Briscoe, may we miss you forever. He was uh, the best part of all Law and Orders. Was Lenny? Briscoe. He was. Yep, Briscoe was. That's the ultimate detective. He was. I mean, way before that, uh, CSI Miami had the guy who put on the sunglasses and said something that we had Briscoe way before that, who had just the best one-liners right before the dun 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 dun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, but he always he had just seen it all. So I mean, fuck it. He always is going to have a good one-liner. <laughs> Yeah, and that's one of our favorite actors as well. And I don't yeah. even know the actor's name off the top of my head, and I'm not going to Jer- look uh, it up. Uh, Jerry Orbach. Jerry Orbach. There we go. Yes. And he is definitely a that guy actor for me, everything he's ever been in. He plays yeah. an excellent villain in the movie FX as well. We'll have to do that someday. That was kind of Oh, God, yeah. Effect. I've never seen him as a villain. That's. I mean, I've seen him. Like, the most villainous is the concerned father in... Uh, and uh, uh, dirty dancing, <laughs> and he's only villainous because he's trying to block that cock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He put baby in a corner, so yeah, he tried uh, to. But jam apparently, up. you're not supposed to fucking do that. Yeah, he I didn't know that, that either. Clam. He, he tried to yeah. jam up the clam. He tried to. Yeah. Listen, I didn't know you weren't supposed to put baby in a corner either. So I think that's not even his fault. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think that's just an arbitrary rule that uh, someone who just had to dance had to make up just so that he could have an excuse for taking a underage girl away from her parents. Yeah, you just got Patrick Swayze out here cruising around, making up fucking rules as he went along. I mean, holy (laughs) shit. (laughs) 
Yeah, just like we make up this show as we go along and we're just padding out this intro with all sorts of bullshit that we don't want to because we don't want to talk about the movie this week. Pretty much. <laughs> Resurrection 1999 will be covered right after whatever fucking song I pick on the Pirate Radio edit, which will be played right after this. This will keep it quiet. Oh, hi there. I didn't see you. You call me cutting a new show. I'm Bo Ransdell, and I'm one of the many creators you can find on Legion Podcasts. I said quiet! My fellow podcasters and I work hard to bring you the best in horror podcasting, but that comes at a cost. What's that like to live deliciously? Not that, but also, yes. No, what I'm getting at is that there are server costs, costs for good microphones and software for editing, all the things that make our shows, you know, fun to listen to. And you can help. If you're enjoying the shows on legionpodcasts.com, or in the Legion Network available on iTunes and Stitcher, just about anywhere you can download a podcast, really, you can help us out and get a little something for your trouble at patreon.com forward slash Legion Podcasts. For just two bucks a month, you get a pair of movie commentaries exclusive to Patreon, and for $5, you can also join us for a monthly screening of a movie. All of that available on patreon.com forward slash Legion Podcasts. We appreciate it, and thank you for listening. Now... Back to the cutting room. found something befitting of um, a serial killer reenacting the Stations of the Cross and doing it poorly, maybe? I'm sure you did. <laughs> Even if I didn't, that just goes to illustrate how little I care about doing the show anymore, I guess, which is really depressing, but also kind of true. I mean, <laughs> we're, we're getting to such a nihilistic time of we're fucked that I don't know, man. I'm, it's not just the show. I'm, I'm not caring about a lot of shit these days. <laughs> Right, it doesn't seem so important to have a perfect edit or a perfect punch-in or a perfect yeah. anything or perfect... No, that would worldwide wars just starting <laughs> off, so fuck it. I guess let's just, you know, let's do the show and hope for the best. All right, so Resurrection from 1999. Phil opens with a long, drawn-out credit sequence that lasts about two minutes, and then finally we get some fucking dialogue, thankfully, which is, of course, our first clip. Of course. Prudhomme, John, sorry to call you so early. I was up. We got a problem. It's early. Okay. I'll make you some breakfast. I don't have time. Go back to sleep. Yeah, and the old man says, son, I get a heart on once a week. I fall down at least ten times a day. <laughs> Keep them away. Okay, stay back. You've been inside? No, I just got here. Hey, how's the blonde turn the lights on after sex? She opens the car door. 
I do not know why I waste my good jokes on you. I don't know either. Prudo, hey, what are you doing here? I got the call. Bullshit. We were on the scene first. I got the call. What's the deal, man? What, you don't have enough cases? You need more? Where is the body? I asked you a question. Hey, he's just doing what they told him to do. Hollingsworth, I'm not talking to you. Oh, you're not talking to me, Schofield? Yeah, well, I'm talking to you. So what is it? Are huh, you better than everybody else? Nobody can do it as good as you? We're all idiots here? I don't see the point of this conversation. Hey, the point is, there's a reason why nobody likes you. I like you. He's a little ripe, but uh, he's been dead for four days. Who is he? Peter Belcour. He owned the place. We found him. A contractor who had an appointment with him. Seems Belcour's old man was a bit of a recluse. Owned a large fleet of fishing boats. He died a couple months ago, left everything to his son. Belcour had an appointment with the contractor to fix the place up to sell it. Any other family? The contractor says the kid was the end of the line. Anything taken? You mean besides his arm? <laughs> no. We did find his wallet in his jacket pocket with uh, $112 in it. Was he alive when he lost the arm? Yeah, if you check out the blood splatter. But uh, take a look at this. We got some kind of strange burn effect here. And the back of his head is all singed. What is it? I don't know. I'll have to verify all that when I get him back to the shop. Any more light in here? That's it. Uh, I didn't want to touch anything, so I left the curtains closed. Open them. Sure. The clip ends when the curtains are opened, and boom, there is a message written in blood that he is coming. Of course, I'm thinking that that means in a biblical sense and not in a sexualized biblical sense, if you know what I mean, and I think you do. Wrong. It's all. They cut from this to a travelogue set of shots of Chicago. And then cut to the pig pen and more conversations and our next clip. Madame, Hollingsworth, in my office. Roush and Schofield were just in here bitching about you stealing their case. They can have it if they want it. This is not a democracy, Prudhomme. It's your case. I gave it to you. Then what's the problem? The problem is you pissed them off. Hollingsworth here is the only one in the entire department that wants to work with you. I don't know what it was like in New Orleans. But since you came here, you've gone through one partner after another. Did you bring me in here to talk about my social skills? Talking to you is like pissing into the wind. <laughs> you should know better by now. What do you got? Peter Belcour, 33-year-old male, owned a fleet of fishing boats, had his right arm cut off at the shoulder. Killer presumably took it with him when he left. Took it with him? You mean like a souvenir? Mm-hmm. That's something new. Witnesses? No, but the, uh, the killer left us a message. Written in blood. Prince? Forensics is checking. We won't find any prints. How the hell do you know that? Because he doesn't want us to. And also, there will be more bodies. You don't know that. For all you know, this, uh, what's his name? Belcour. Belcour shorted a customer on a case of tuna. The guy cut his arm off and he pulled all this bullshit to throw us off track. The killer wrote he's coming on the window. That signifies a future event that isn't taking place yet. This guy's something worked out, and today was just the first move. If this was all planned, what's the motive? We already know the motive. The killer wanted his arm. That's the motive. Surely it's a crevice. John. What's with the death? Oh, I'm just going to say, I'm 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 would it be too much to ask to get a cheeseburger every once in a while? What do you think it took the arm for? 
We have to talk about this over lunch? I don't know. Obviously, we're not dealing with somebody who's playing full deck here. God only knows what he's doing. And we got another Jeffrey Dahmer. Why not take the whole body? Maybe you only wanted a snack. Jenny called today. She's going to come visit us. Again? Yes, again. What, is there a problem? No, but last time she came for a weekend, she stayed two weeks. She's my best friend. What am I supposed to tell her? To stay in a hotel? No. Hey, you okay? Yeah, just thinking. How yeah, about that case? Well, I saw it on the news. I mean, this world just keeps getting sicker and sicker every day. Why would someone do such a thing? I don't want to talk about it. Well, I'm not asking details. I'm just asking your opinion. I said I don't want to talk about it. Oh, repressed male bullshit. Ha, ha, ha. After this, this doesn't want to talk about it. Yeah, after this clip, we see Lambert doing the brooding he does best over the photo of himself and a child, indicating he is a parent that lost a son, perhaps. And then the film mercifully gives us more dialogue, and I don't have to write more, so that's our next clip. And the fat guy says, yeah, I thought I was going to scream when I came out of the closet. Good <laughs> up. You know the exact cause of death? Yeah, exsanguination. That means he bled to death. He also has uh, burns on the uh, right side of his parietal region. Looks like he was torched with a taser or some kind of cattle prod. Didn't kill him, but it probably knocked him out. So he wasn't conscious when the arm was taken? No, unfortunately, he was. His endorphin and adrenaline levels were incredibly high in his blood, which means he was wide awake. He, he experienced severe trauma just before he died. Wait a minute. You telling me that he waited for him to wake up before he cut his arm off? Yeah, that's what I'm telling you. How sick is that? I can also tell you that whoever this guy is, he knows what he's doing because he uh, removed that arm with almost surgical precision. This guy's no Jack the Ripper. And you might be interested in this. Roman numerals. What's that? Oh, yeah. It's a key mark etched in permanently. They can check the neck. Bismarck Locus service. Over there. Bingo. Can you identify it? Barakachitin acerifolius. It's a flower from the bottle tree. Where can I find it around here? Oh, you can't. It's indigenous to Australia. We're not in Australia. I can see why they made you a detective. What about the uh, botanical museum? No, I don't think so. This flower was picked only a few days ago. There is one, however, at the Botanical Gardens. There's your flower. Billy. Got it. Hey, Pradam, this whole area's been cut out and laid back in. Pull it up. Okay, so this movie's like an hour and 47 minutes, and I've taken a lot of screen time and condensed it down by removing all of the dead space between dialogue, which may seem like things are moving a lot quicker than what they actually are. Uh, you're welcome. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of dead space. <laughs> they uncover the burial of another victim at the Botanical Gardens, and that begins an investigation into how this place could be uh, broken into and had a body buried there without anyone noticing, to which the man running the garden states that it is not a bank. All they have are plants. They don't need this much security that this sort of thing never really seems to happen. And he kind of has a point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean. He's he's not wrong. <laughs> like the cops are clearly like hoping for leads when they're asking for all of this stuff, but then when they start getting frustrated that there's not more security, and he's just like, "Look, we're not a bank. We don't need that stuff." That yeah. made me laugh. <laughs> yeah, right. That was like, yeah. Listen, guys, we're we don't need any of that. No, I don't know. Fine. Yeah, I don't know which arm is which, but they find that the new victim is missing. I guess the left arm to match the other victim, which is the right, or vice versa. It doesn't fucking matter. The killer killed two people and took one arm each, and they were yeah. opposite sides. That's all that fucking matters. So it's killer two arms, cop zero leads right now. 
<laughs> I mean, that is, I'll admit it. That's, that's one hell of a, a, a fucking scoreboard right there. Uh, this early in the game. Um, usually you the, find the killer really took a commanding lead. You, you usually find that serial killers tend to take quite the lead over the cops and, yeah. uh, will keep their board zetted out for quite a while. Yeah, it's, that's true. <laughs> they discuss the next victim that they found in our, you guessed it, next clip. <laughs> Prince identify him as Matthew Leeson, age 33. He works for the IRS. At least our killer's taste in victims is improving. Chippy says he was killed before Belcourt and at a different location. The killer moved his body to the gardens. Why go to all that trouble? First being seen. What about the numbers on the victims? Actually, they're numerals. What? They're Roman numerals. Numerals aren't numbers? No, all I'm saying is I, I think the killer chose numerals for a reason. 119, 2,427. Numbers, numerals. So far, we've only found what he's wanted us to find. No prints, no trace evidence, nothing. What we have here is a very clever serial killer. Guys, the lab just called down. The blood on the window wasn't Belcour's. Well, whose was it? Killer's? No, it wasn't anybody's. The lab says it wasn't human. It says it was Lamb's blood. Again, Matt can attest, huge gaps removed for your listening pleasure and enjoyment, yeah. folks. Yeah, Court really did you guys a favor. Uh <laughs> After this, we see Lambert doing some more brooding, which he does so fucking well, and then some mourning, which he doesn't do so well, of his loss. And then it transforms into flashback dream visions of Lambert with his family, all happy and joyful. And he teaches his kid to ride a bike, and some dude knocks him the fuck over rudely, and his kid takes off with the bike into oncoming traffic. And ends up transforming into a child-sized mannequin that is slightly smaller than the actual boy who was in the previous shot. And it is then run over by a car, which then flashes to Lambert, ugly crying and screaming no in the future. And then cuts to yet another crime scene, thankfully away from his acting. And to our next clip. (laughs) I did. Where is it? Just over here. Watch yourself some mess down here. Transients, deviants, whatever. All sorts of weird shit happens down here. These fucking stinks. Uh, some of them are too lazy to go outside to relieve themselves. How did you come across him? One of his buddies flagged us down. Rats in this city. Here's something you don't see every day. He's in there. Oh my god. Is this guy got a fucking shopping list or something? Where's his head? All right, so the actor renowned for these kinds of panic attacks that are about to happen on screen has one of those very famous ones about the loss of the victim's head for some reason or another. Yeah, It seems to just be a plot convenience because they needed that. And then the panic attack leads us to the end of the first 20 minutes. And we'll hear some of it in the next clip in the next 20. Yay, panic attacks. We know them well. And, and maybe more of a reason you, you find a severed head, I'm assuming that you'll... Yeah, well, just a know. body sitting naked on a or, toilet like that. I mean, it's, yeah. I'm sure that's something that would very much freak a cop who has seen death before out. That doesn't make sense. Maybe. I, I, you never know. I mean, maybe they're there. Maybe it's 
too much for them. Maybe they've never seen a death like that. Well, they we, we talk about that in the next clip as well. That's possible. Oh, that's true. Yeah, all right. <laughs> but the actor is the one I want to talk about in particular because he's one of the seven alumni. He's the guy with the knifey cock bondage suit that uh, was forced to fuck a hooker to death with that knifey cock. Yes, yes. And that's uh, Jesus. That, uh, that was a hell of a way to put that. <laughs> <laughs> is that not what happened? It is what happened. It was just one hell of a way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I have a fucked up way about me. I know. It's fine. It's great. I love it. <laughs> uh, yeah. So he plays that. He goes, oh, God, he told me to fuck her. with." Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's yeah, that. right. And I believe he also is the one that was always like super panicky in um, very bad things where yet another hooker ends up dying by impalement. But not yeah, he also ends expect. up the quadriplegic blowing his wheelchair in circles. <laughs> right. But he also does the panicky stuff in that really, really well. Like his his way of portraying a person who is at their wits end and is starting to not be like their rationale is breaking down and they're hyperventilating and things like that. Yeah. He's, he's really good at that. That is what he does best. He is quite excellent for that kind of role. Yeah, no, exactly. He is. He's very, very good at, at playing this, uh, uh, kind of guy who's he can also be a pretty good smart ass yeah he does he does play that as well but i think his real his bread and butter especially in the 90s was traumatized dude for one way or one yeah. reason or another yeah he was definitely traumatized dude you're, you're not wrong there <laughs> <laughs> at least that's what i remember him the most with you know yeah yeah that yeah me too yeah being the traumatized dude i mean really Oh God, the, the seated seven where he's still kind of humping because he's so fucking, you know, oh, he's just like up from it. Yeah. He's just basically like panic uh, shaking from it. Yeah. yeah. Like, and he's just basically screaming, get me out of this thing. <laughs> yep. Yep. It's a, uh, it's pretty fucked up. <laughs> you would understand why he might have a panic attack. <laughs> well, yeah, that guy will never, ever, ever be the same. You know, that no. was that that ruined him for like ever forever. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're not wrong. <laughs> all right. So the director of this is Russell Mulcahy. Does that name sound familiar to you, Matt? Yeah. Well, Mulcahy, like for one reason, I know that name sounds familiar, but the last name always makes me think of Father Mulcahy from MASH. But yes, uh, that name sounds familiar. Yeah, he did a lot of music videos in the 80s, right? And then oh. all of a sudden, he ended up directing a movie that you may or may not have heard of called Highlander. Oh, no no wonder Christopher Lambert's in this. Yeah, yeah. And then, he, I mean, he's done some other stuff, Russell Mulcahy as well, but like nothing quite the, the same as like Highlander, Highlander 2. Uh, yeah. He did a movie called Ricochet in 91 that I really liked, but... Russell Mulcahy, he has a way about him that he directs films like, I mean, he did The Shadow, The Real McCoy. You're starting to see a pattern of the types of films that he's done. He's done a lot of episodes of Tales from the Crypt. Yeah. And then this movie, Resurrection. What I'm getting at is his stuff feels kind of um, somewhat otherworldly, sort of fairy tale. Doesn't really hold logic like a normal, straight police procedural type film would need. And so... I think this is actually playing for his favor thus far in the seven clone that he's doing, uh, because this feels very dreamlike and surreal. And it feels like this is the nightmare of a traumatized police detective that's already been through this and just can't forget it. And we're seeing his nightmares that he's living through again. Yeah. You know, it just it has that very surreal feeling to it, which makes a lot of these dead spaces actually feel more like just uncomfortable and uneasy more than just like they're just filling time by doing dead space. It's these long pauses between people who are just 
not not happy. They're just miserable. No, yeah, it, no one seems very happy in this uh, right. in this it's, movie. It's very bleak and it's very grim, and it's intentionally yeah. done that way. And I removed the pauses because we got to make this show somewhat fun to to cover the episode, you know, to to do the talking yeah. about the film and everything. But also, it also you know condenses the film down and it gets it done quicker as well, and it's a little bit more convenient. But I would argue that you need those pauses in this film to really get what they're trying to do. And it's a little over the top and it's a little dramatized. It feels a bit made for TV movie with it. Uh, but Mulcahy kind of has that style where things are just a little bit sort of sentimental and corny, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and it's weird to have a serial killer movie. That's this fucking gruesome also feel sentimental and corny, but it does. I mean, it, 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 it's, it works. It is. But like you said, it's, it's a very, nihilistic life like no one's actually happy right <laughs> but everyone's just kind of maybe they're not sad or anything but they're not also happy they're very just glum <laughs> and things don't look as bleak as fincher's films usually do like it's not the same like piss yellow everywhere and um yeah. shit brown colors for all of the buildings and things and the people aren't dressed in piss and shit colors <laughs> or like yeah, right. monochrome and desaturated like Fincher loves to do. Like it doesn't look that bleak. It's just that you ha get this glimpse of this world that these cops are living in, which is absolutely bleak and everybody's miserable and everybody's unhappy and fucking Christopher Lambert's character is running from his past and what happened with his son by moving yeah. to this, this city to work and ignoring his wife and just letting her twist in the wind and fucking be miserable. You can see that happening. You know, she's, oh, right? constant, she's constantly reaching out for him and he's constantly slapping her hand away, metaphorically speaking. It, 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 it is. It do be like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get into the next 20 because I think we're, right. we got everybody's let's appetite whetted for what we've seen so far, right? Yeah. <laughs> the second 20 starts with expository dialogue and our next clip. There's a guy sitting in front of me here without his head, John. One plastic cone, buck twenty-five and change, and a pack of gum. Oh yeah, and a wallet. One James Ordway. You done? Yeah, I got a pretty good idea what killed him. Is this a scene? No, the uh, killer cut him in here, strung him up, and then he bled him like a stuck pig. Then he dragged him back in there, they cleaned him up, sat him on the throne for dramatic effect. Okay, I gotta get some air. Any witnesses? No. What? No witnesses? No we witnesses? Talked, Are you talked, kidding we me? We talked to everyone in the building. No one saw anything. No one heard anything. Wait a minute. You're kidding me. Guy comes in here, cuts another guy's head off, walks off with it, and nobody sees anything? No witnesses? Fuck! I swear to God, man. I've been on the job eight years, and I have never seen, I have never seen anything like this. Never. He wants to shock us. He's doing a good job. Let's go. Found the victim's wallet, driver's license ID him as James Ordway. Are we sure it's him? Yeah, we checked the prints, cancel license, it's him. Leeson was killed two weeks ago. Found for one week ago, Ordway last night. So we're up to speed. I had the lab blow up his license for him. 2,421. numbers, dates, dates. One plus one, two, two, two. 
Peter Matthew James, all names of apostles. Peter was a fisherman. Belcourt owned a fishing fleet. Matthew was a tax collector. Leeson worked for the IRS. So the guy's some kind of a zealot. The numbers he carved on the victims are chapter and verses from the Bible. Peter, chapter 1, verse 19. 119. But with precious blood, as of a lamb, unblemished and unspotted, Christ. The message was written in lamb's blood. Matthew 24, 27. For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth unto the west, so shall also be the coming of the Son of Man. All the victims were 33 years old, the same age as Christ when he died. All three died a week apart of each other on a Friday, the same day Christ died. The guys rebuilding the body of Christ. You say he's actually rebuilding a body? Yes. He's killed a person a week for the last three weeks. He's halfway through. If he stays on his Friday schedule, that'll take three more weeks. What three weeks from now? Easter. The resurrection. Schofield, you and Rauch contact every seminary school and church in the area. Check on zealots, disturbed personalities, anyone who might fit the profile. Bolts, check the mental institutions, see if they ever treated anyone who could be our boy. Got it. The rest of them should canvas the crime scenes again. Somebody had to see something. Get a beer later? No, I can't. I uh, promised Sarah I'd go to the market with her so the house is stocked when Jenny comes. So what's the uh, story with this Jenny? Is she cute? You guess so? She's cute. She's cute, right? Okay, so what's what's the problem here? I'm cute. Will we make a little connection here? You hook us up? I don't know. That's all I need is for her to start liking you and decide to stay longer. No, no, that's good. She likes me. She can stay with me. It's all good. We all win. Are you really that desperate? Yeah. Yes, I really am. Um, Father Roussel, drop by to see how we are doing. Good to see you, John. What brings you by, Father? Well, it's been six months since you've been to church. I just wanted to see how you're doing. I'm fine. You do sit down, and I'll just get some coffee. I'm just fine. You shouldn't turn your back on your faith. God loves you, John. His love can help you heal. Oh, I've seen how he loves me. My son was in a coma for five days. You know how many times I prayed? Where was my God when I needed him? I'm sorry. It's all right. It's all right. What the hell were you thinking, Sarah? I can't reach you anymore. I'm right here. I'm worried about you. I'm worried about us. What do you want from me? I want you to talk to me. Will you please just talk to me? It's been one year since Michael died. And you have not visited his grave since the funeral. You don't understand. Oh, you are not the only one who lost a child. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So it's a nice cameo there at the end from David Cronenberg as the family priest for Lambert in that last clip. 
Uh, John also embraces his wife at the end of the clip, and they cross-dissolve into the pig pen as Lambert walks in and thinks a joke is being told. And since I thought that was so awkward and weird and also dialogue, next clip. <laughs> so he says, we finally get back together. She gets hit by a bus. <laughs> this isn't a joke? No. My cousin's girlfriend got hit by a bus last night. I'm sorry. How is she doing? She's got a broken leg. So if we can get this typed up by this afternoon, I can send him down to the lab so finish Smooth, John, smooth. I thought it was a joke. <laughs> What's so funny? You had to be there. What have you got? Uh, well, since your press conference last night, we've received about 50 calls. We've got people accusing everyone from their mother-in-law to the mayor. Well, the mayor might not be a bad lead. <laughs> I got someone in my office you guys should talk to. Who is he? Okay. FBI profile. Come on, Jack. Look, he's just trying to help, all right? These guys solve a lot of cases. What is he going to tell me? I'm looking for a white male, 25 to 45 years old. Just talk to him. Madame Hollingsworth, Agent Wingate. It's nice to meet you. Hi. So, um, I understand you might have something for us. Well, uh, I thought maybe I could help, uh, though I've never come across a serial killer who's moved at such an accelerated pace. How do you know what pace he's moving at? Uh, your captain let me look through the files. Did he? Based on what I've seen so far, I'd say you're looking for someone of above average intelligence. White, male, 25 to 45 years old. Something funny? No, no, Norm, go on, sorry. Uh, he'll be middle class, a loner, not married. Those who know him will find him aloof but cordial. See, though he prefers isolation, he has the ability to navigate in social settings when he has to. He will have strong moral and, and religious convictions. But obviously his moral convictions don't include murder. Well, he doesn't view what he's doing as murder. To him, he is making sacrifices to God. Okay, well, what point is there in uh, keeping his victims conscious while he mutilates them? Christ suffered on the cross. He wants his victims to suffer. But leaving clues behind, this, this puts him at risk. He wants us to know what he's doing. True, but there's more to it than that. If he merely wanted you to know what he was doing, there are more direct ways to inform you. The clues he leaves give him a sense of power. It shows he's in control. Perdome, this fax just came in for you. I think you should take a look at it. You have heard the voice of the prophet as he prepares the throne of grace, and you have twisted his message. Those who die do so for the glory of God. Spread the true gospel before the end of the Bonerges, where you shall be judged by me. What makes you think this is him? Read the bottom. So you do not doubt. Inside the third one is the key to the nut. Yeah. The third one? Ordway. Ordway, jazz. Come in. Where's Ordway's body? Yeah, I just finished the autopsy. I'm making out the report now. You can have it in, uh, well, you can have it by this afternoon. Anything unusual? No, not really. Except uh, all he'd been eating was olives. He, uh, his stomach was full of them. None of olives. It's him. It's here. This guy's fucking with us. He let you into his world so you would publicize his work. He knows you know what he's doing. So your failure to acknowledge it is anger. Yeah, well, he's going to kill again tomorrow, and there's nothing we can do to stop him. Can you run a search through your database and see if you have anything similar on file? No problem. Here's my direct line at the bureau, and uh, my cell phone number will be on the back. Call me if there's anything I can do. Thank you. I've already got a name for him. Good sells papers. 
What do you think makes someone this crazy? Who knows? Problems now, pressures grow. One day you start to slip through the cracks, and there is no one there to catch you. Happens every day. Yeah, I'll tell you one thing for sure. I'll feel a hell of a lot better knowing that he's drooling on himself in a padded cell somewhere. You're assuming we're gonna catch him? What the hell's that supposed to mean? Assuming we're gonna catch him? It means that either we'll catch him or he'll finish what he's doing and disappear. Like Jack the Ripper and the Zodiac Killer. Or come Easter, he'll realize all he has is a rotting corpse in his garage, so he'll figure he fucked up his little recipe and start all over again for next year. I don't know if he really believes he's creating the second coming. I think it's more symbolic. He's sending a message. Yeah? To who? To us. The world. The guy's a fucking nutcase, okay? All this religious mumbo-jumbo's bullshit. You, you don't think the guy is at home right now reading these headlines and jerking himself off? He loves the attention. He wants the attention. I'm not doubting he's insane. But don't discount his intelligence. You think you just go out and you find a 33-year-old guy named Peter who happens to be a fisherman? Or someone named Matthew who is a tax collector? Don't you see the planning that's got into this? The time. Stop admiring him. He kills people. Let's not lose sight of that. I admire the intellect, not the action. Do you know how difficult it is to get away with murder? There are 50 ways to fuck up a crime. And if you can think of 20 of them, you're a genius. So far, this guy is batting a thousand. They cut from this to a joyless dinner between Lambert and his wife, and then cut to Lambert burning that midnight oil as he reads more religious-based texts to try to understand this Seven-esque murderer as his wife sits alone crying in their bedroom. He leaves her alone and drives off to their church, I'm assuming, and that leads to more dialogue and David Cronenberger talking, so shut the fuck up, everybody. That's our next clip. John, it's very late. I'm sorry, Father. I need to talk to you. It's important. Well, come in. Thanks. Is everything all right? Yeah. I need some information on uh, the Bonergis. The what? Bonergis. Oh, the, it's pronounced Bonergis. Yeah, whatever. Uh, I, 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 I know it means sons of thunder. Whose sons? Zebedee. Who is he? He's only mentioned in the Bible in relation to his sons. Yeah, where in the Bible? You should know this. <laughs> Listen, Father, I don't have time for a Bible class right now. Mm. Well, call me. Yeah, here it is. It's... Mark 3.17. And James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, and he surnamed them the Boanerges, which is the sons of thunder. John, the brother of James. Yes. Thank you, Father. Ordway's a brother. His name is John. He's going to be the fourth victim. I need him to dress fast. Thanks. John Ordway, he's a photographer. He has a part studio at 1432 Baker Street. Home address? List the studio as his home address. Okay, I'm 10 minutes away. You call him and tell him to walk himself in and wait for me. I'll meet you there. Lambert goes into the building and up the stairs, sloppily checking his corners as he goes and ends up in the studio where our killer was hiding in plain sight. Lambert proceeds slowly through this oversized studio room and still does not notice the killer moving around as well. He hears a man begging for help as his leg has been removed and blood is spraying everywhere as Lambert tries to stop the blood loss. That was a really grotesque scene and pretty interesting, although Lambert's kind of hammy in this and almost yeah. ruins it with his overacting. But still, it's good stuff. 
Yeah, the the gore is over the top and intense. Uh, When it is obvious he will not be able to do so, meaning stopping the blood loss, he embraces the young man as he dies in Lambert's arms. (laughs) The killer left the limb as Lambert interrupted him, which means the killer is still in the building, and Lambert finds him to give chase right on time like it's seven or some shit. Yeah, right? Hmm. (laughs) Got any more of that seven? The partner takes a boot to the face and goes flying down a staircase as the killer gets away. Lambert gives pursuit on foot once again, as if this is seven or some shit, and they lose him somewhere on the <laughs> rooftops. So they split up to try and find him again, as if this is seven or some shit. I mean, did you guys like not watch it? Or I mean, what the fuck? I mean, they pretty much took the notes of when to or, or, I mean, like, interrupt. Like the, you the did watch it. I, I, yeah. Yeah. My joke went all fucked up. Yeah, I know. Uh, I, get, I get you. I get you. What you, I got what you how many times did you watch seven and just say to yourself, you know what? Let's do stations of the cross. <laughs> the killer confronts and subdues Lambert's partner with a like a million taser blasts to the chest. And before Lambert's pig pen brethren can stop the killer, it appears he is walking at them weirdly. And it's obviously the partner who was shot for holding a weapon. I mean, they figure it out way too late. He's already shot in the leg and uh, they're dragging him there to the hospital. And on the way to said hospital, Lambert tells a terrible joke to his partner who is panicked and in fear of his life. That's the end of the first half of the movie. I didn't realize it was going that far, but I did. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> Pretty much. It's not exactly the first half, but that's right around there when they're speeding off to the hospital. This is the the turning point where he loses the partner. This is the thing that's going to drive him over the edge even more because his partner got his leg pretty much blown off from uh, being friendly fire shot because he was tasered and then the mask was put on him so the killer could get away. And it very much mimics the sequence in seven where Brad Pitt's getting knocked out and like used as like a decoy (laughs) more or less just to like you know like the fact that brad pitt's character gets blackjacked and is laid out cold the killer still gets away but it makes it so that uh it 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 drives brad pitt's character over his wrath point and they're just kind of condensing characters down into one wrath guy (laughs) instead yeah right like the analytical guy who's spending all of his time trying to find the killer is also the overly emotional guy that uh, speeds to too many conclusions and uh, takes action too quickly and loses his cool. All in the mm-hmm. same character played by Lambert. Yeah, of course. And I don't hate Lambert, but he does not have the range to pull this off. This is not his kind of he's more of a stoic like character that he can play like somebody that is more reserved and um kind of quiet and all of the dialogue that he's delivering here is very hammy and he almost really kind of ruins the film almost yeah yeah he he really does it's kind of like i mean what are you doing just calm down your acting will you yeah i just i don't understand what it is that he's trying to accomplish or or do with the way that he's portraying this character, but it's definitely painful for sure. Especially in these last couple of sequences that we've done the clips from, it's pretty obvious. And like the sequence where he catches the guy with his leg freshly cut off, which is absolutely gruesome. But then he jumps in there and starts screaming. Like he's going to stop the blood by just jamming his hand across the open wound, which is too giant for him to even pack and stop the blood in time at all. The overacting is so bad (laughs) that you do get a little concerned that it, it takes away from this awesome scene of a leg being hacked off. Yeah, it's fucking grotesque. It's some of the best effects that I've seen, which is why I ended up buying this Blu-ray. Um, I bought the Blu-ray from this because I remembered all of the effects being 
absolutely shockingly gruesome and they did not disappoint. However, I yeah. somehow etch a sketched over the fact that when I watched this in 99, as you know, a teen, um, that this gruesomeness of the effects didn't cover also how badly Christopher Lambert is acting in this and just kind of how much Russell Mulcahy almost feels like he's phoning it in with his uh, attempts at doing this, where he's not even really concerned with trying to make it logic or reasoning. There's a lot of stuff that these guys do that they make choices that do not make sense. And especially if you know police procedural stuff, there's a lot of things that detectives should be jumping to right away. Like the names of the victims being biblical, they and the fact that, uh, you know, there's some severance of the body parts with a number. They should have probably thought of the books of the Bible way sooner, particularly the one guy who lost his faith should have been thinking of that. And they wanted to tie that in with seven, but they didn't jump to it fast enough. Um, yeah. I mean, it's like he's taking the amount of time that you're supposed to do, like the Catholic, uh, like not necessarily stations of the cross, but you pray the stations of the cross at the Catholic church. But like the the thing that he's doing is sort of recreating that in like a ritualistic form, but he's removing body parts to do it in. And like how that logic actually stands up only makes sense in the killer's mind. But that's kind of the symbolism they're going with in some of this, but they're not like some of the pamphlets and things are left behind or like some of the details are left behind with, you know, the the second coming of Jesus and the crucifixion and all that kind of stuff. And it's there. They're hinting at it, but they just kind of glaze over it, too. And it looks like they lost interest in it or they realize the film's already overly long with Christopher, Christopher Lambert's overacting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It is, it is just it, I, I, uh, I don't know, man. I usually don't mind Christopher Lambert's acting. It's it's almost like he was like, ah, fuck all this shit. <laughs> yeah, it just feels phoned in by everybody almost. Like they just yeah. didn't care. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like right. they were just like, listen, we need to do another seven. So uh, I, I it was like, the director was like, listen, I watched the movie seven and I thought I want to do something just like it, but I got to think of a new wrinkle stations of the cross. And I'm going to get Christopher Lambeard to act because I always do. And he was just like, yeah, I don't have to worry about this. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's move on because uh, I do do take another break in about 15 minutes whenever we reach the first hour mark after the first half of the movie. So, yeah. And the way to reach that is actually going to be our next clip. So the second half starts with a cut from the ambulance ride to the hospital and our next mega clip. Sharon, who was he? We don't know yet. Bone's completely shattered. We've stopped the bleeding, but we'll have to amputate. There has to be something else you can do. If there was, Detective, I'd be doing it. How you doing? I'm okay. No one take my leg. No one take my leg. I know. Don't want to take my leg. Please don't want to take my leg. John, please don't want to take my leg. I'm scared. I'm scared. I'm scared. <laughs> what the hell is he doing? It's, uh... An old Cajun superstition. When someone's suffering, you put a knife under the bed and uh, it cuts the pain in half. What are you doing here? Working. John, go home. Get some rest. I'm not tired. In my office. John, I want you to take a few days off. We can't waste any more time. That's really how you see it, isn't it? If you're not here, the rest of us are just plodding along in the dark. I didn't. You see those guys out there? Those are detectives. They do the same job as you. I know that. I also know we had him last night. He was standing in the same room with me and got away. Don't take me off this, Jack. All right. Thanks. Look, what do you think he's going to do? I mean, you interrupted him last night. You didn't get what he came for. If he wants to stay on schedule for Easter, he's going to have to make up for lost time. So are you. There's a Dr. Nestler on line one for you. 
Hi, Doctor. We have a problem over here that I thought you should know about. I thought the operation went fine. It did. I, I don't understand. Now, one of our orderlies was found unconscious downstairs. Someone beat the hell out of him. I'll send an officer over. Oh, the police are already here. Detective, uh, the orderly was carrying an appendage downstairs. Somebody stole your partner's leg. Can I see him? He's uh, still pretty groggy. Try not to be too long. Thanks. I wanted to stop by and see how you were doing. Do you need anything? Yeah, a leg. You got one? I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Hey, you know, when I was coming out of the alley, I was, I was, I could hear you screaming. I just, I never imagined that you were screaming at me. Unless I've been, I must have been pretty out of it, though, you know, from the stun gun. I just get, I, I just kept moving towards the sound of your voice. I love being a cop. That's all I ever wanted to be. Far back as I can remember. A cop. Helping people. Writing wrongs. You know, to me, that's the finest thing you can be. Oh, man. Oh, man. What am I gonna do now, John? What am I gonna do now? You can go, you know, you can go. I just want to be left alone, all right? Go on, go, go on. Wingate. John Prudhomme. Thank you. You're letting them inside your head. You can't do that. How do I not do that? You divorce yourself from the emotions. What? Turn it off like a light switch? Right now, there is a cop, a friend, who will never be the same because of me. You're doing exactly what he wants you to do. You're concentrating on your guilt. I got my fucking partner shot last night! What the fuck are you looking at? How can I help you, Prudhomme? I assume there are others you can talk to if you just wanted to vent. Sorry. I think last night was my best shot at catching this guy, and I fucked it up. I don't know where to go from here. You can't go forwards, go backwards. Back up. Who is he? What do you know about him? He wants to kill. I mean, he's insane. You know, I've spent years studying these guys. They've all got their excuses. Fathers who beat them, mothers who rape them, voices telling them what to do. Bottom line is, except for a very small percentage, they all know they're committing murder. He thinks he's rebuilding the body of Christ. If that is not insane... His actions don't define his state of mind. Look at Dahmer, Gacy, Bundy. They all committed horrible acts, but they were sane. The fact that he's careful not to leave any evidence behind shows he's aware there are consequences to his actions, right? Look, I don't care if he's sane or not. I just want to catch him. You couldn't catch a cold the way you're thinking. Thanks. Stop focusing on his state of mind. Look for the pattern. Whatever he thinks he's doing or creating, that's what drives him to murder. And what he's doing isn't as important as why he's doing it. If you can figure that out, it'll lead you to him. You really should eat. This can't be a white round. How's Hollingsworth doing? Turned out all right. You didn't see him? Yeah, I saw him. Anything else? Nothing. The computer gave us a couple of names that could be our boy, but they're all in prison in the loony bin. It would appear I underestimated you. Sometimes I'm too clever for my own good. It won't happen again. You must admit there's a strange irony to last night's events. In the end, I got what I wanted. 
John would have been better, but Andrew was an apostle also. I was hoping not to make this personal. I warned you that you would be judged if you did not tell the world of my work. Your lack of contrition leaves me no choice but to punish you. Your penitence shall be remorse. Remorse for the death of your wife. There's a unit in the area! Send them over now! Get out of the way! With this, Lambert speeds off to save his wife, and that is the end of the first hour. Yeah. Ooh, all right. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't going to sit there and try and describe all of that when it was all ripped out through expository dialogue. That's the one thing that's great about this movie for doing the review. I have four pages of notes and like 15, six, 15 clips. That yeah. are all about like varying lengths, but some of them are much longer than others. All of it condensed down for your listening pleasure to just get us through this film a little bit faster. Because the story's there, the story's decent, but Lambert's acting once again, you hear it in the clips, it's there. Even though I've cut out the pauses, he's phoning it in. This is like the most phoned in he's been for anything that you and I have probably seen. That That's a fact. Yeah, this is, he has definitely phoned this one in completely. <laughs> All right, so now I have like another 20-minute block and then the final like 17-ish minutes that we'll close it out. So you want to just keep moving on and then we'll we'll jump into the next 20 and do some more discussion? Yes, let's do it. All right, so the next 20 starts with the race against the clock and to get home to save his wife as Lambert rips it all the way home. Once at his house, he finds it is a crime scene and there is a dead woman on the floor he thinks is his wife and he has the appropriate over-the-top display of grief, but, you know, is acting it badly but then realizes his wife doesn't wear that kind of bracelet. So he rolls over the corpse, destroying all the evidence. And it is his wife's friend. Fuck it. They give us dialogue. I'm done writing. That's our next clip. <laughs> Jenny. Jenny. I'm pulling you off this. It's gone too far. He came to my house to kill my wife. Which is why you're off this thing. It's personal now. You can't do this. It's done. I'm giving it to Roosh and Schofield. Jenny was tired from the trip. We don't have to. Why would someone do such a thing? It was him, the guy who's killing all these people. He was trying to hurt. By killing Jenny? Oh my God. He was trying to kill me. I thought I lost you. I want you to go stay with your mother until this is over. John. Sarah, please. Good evening. As it has been, our top story tonight continues to be the ongoing search for a serial killer. The Chicago Police Department has released part of a tape sent to them by the numbers killer. It would appear I underestimated you. Sometimes I'm too clever for my own good. It won't happen again. Now anyone who recognizes this voice is asked to contact the Homicide Division of the Chicago Police Department. In other news tonight, Chicago City officials have released last year's crime statistics. What's up? Woman just called from the Beaumont Hotel. Said she recognizes the voice of the tape. I'm gonna want to take a couple of bodies with me. Take whoever you need. 
Lambert checks for blindness by waving his hand in front of the dude's face and everything. What a fucking joke. Yeah. Is he blind? How many fingers? <laughs> they cut from the discussion to a meat packing plant where the bumbling dummies stumble through a meat locker with a fisheye on the camera to make everything feel more surreal and out there. The next legless victim is hanging there upside down by their remaining leg, and they cut from that back to the pig pen as Lambert walks into the main office. He is asked for change and then thinks of something having to do with quarters found in the pockets of the victims. There's five each, so we are doing the 30 pieces of silver via 30 old school quarters. I guess they actually had some silver in there, but I think that's stretching the symbolism just a little bit. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, that that's really just rubbing it in our faces at this point. Anyway, that leads to our next clip. James Ordway, too? John Ordway, also. So did Wells. Five victims, all with five quarters in their pockets. No way, that's a coincidence. Right. To finish what he's doing, six bodies. Six bodies with five quarters each is 30 quarters. 30 pieces of silver. He thinks he's Judas? No, he's letting us know why he's doing it. He's atoning. John, take a look at this. What is it? It's a homicide report from Tennessee. Two and a half years ago, police in Clarksdale found a 33-year-old man with his head cut off. The victim's name was Philip Weir. Philip's an apostle name, isn't it? Yeah. 
How did we get this? The FBI computer spit it out. Just now? What do you mean just now? Ripley called over to Quantico about three days ago. But I asked Wingate three weeks ago. Agent Wingate. Agent Wingate's in a meeting right now. I don't care what he's doing. I want to see him now. I think you better get out of here. Can you have a seat, please? No, thank you. I don't want to sit down. I want to see Wingate. Is there a problem here? What the fuck? Yes, there is a problem. I want to see Agent Wingate. I'm Agent Wingate. Didn't anybody check his ID? Yes, Sergeant said he saw it. It looked good to him. Yeah, but somebody this clever wouldn't have a problem getting a card, a badge you can find anywhere. What about the office number? It was a message center, rented by mail with a money order. And the cell phone number? Cloned. We get a print, and these are on file. We'll ID him. Yeah. Well, we still have one thing on our side that doesn't know we know. Wingate. Prudhomme. How's it going? Good. We may have found a few things that might put us a little closer. What things? Well, I'd like to run them by you here sometime. You know, I'm uh, kind of busy today. Uh... It would only take about a half hour. I'll tell you what, I'll meet you in two hours over at that pizza place. Great. I appreciate it. No problem. We got him. Are you guys ready? 10-4.
He's a cocky little prick, isn't he? He knows we have nothing. He also knows the law. We don't get something in 48 hours. We gotta cut him loose. Hey, hey, I'm sorry about last week. It wasn't your fault. You know that. It's okay. So you got him. Who is he? We don't know. We've blasted his face all over the news. Hundreds of people are calling. We feed the names into the computer and uh, wait for a print match. But it's him. It's him. You can't let this fucker walk, John. I won't. I won't. Not guilty. Bail? Your Honor, the state is requesting that bail be denied. On what grounds? We do not know the defendant's true identity. Therefore, we cannot determine his ties, if any, to the community. We feel that the risk of flight is great. Judge, the fact that the police can neither prove nor disprove my client's identity is not grounds to deny bail. The truth is, Mr. Wingate has been held for nearly two days on a probable cause arrest for another matter. Is this true, Mr. Galloway? Yes, Your Honor. He is considered a prime suspect in regards to the recent spree of murders. I see no murder charges before me. The only charge I see is that of impersonating a federal officer. Bail is set at $20,000. We'll have a 10-minute recess. Gentlemen, would you approach the bench of Galloway? What exactly do you think you're doing out there? Just trying to stop a murderer from going free. There are procedures for that. As a district attorney, I should not have to tell you this. I will not have this courtroom used for your personal agenda, Mr. Galloway. Judge, my client is ready to post bail. I'd like to request his immediate release. I still have six hours left to hold him, and I intend to use them. Six hours, Mr. Galloway? Then you either file murder charges or you... Dennis Whittleton, Dennis Whittleton. Sir, the photos of a man. Cheryl Demas, rush it through. Uh, FBI, Tennessee police, and the DMV. No, thank you. I'll be going out to lunch today. I just got off the phone with the Billingston Sheriff's Department. We have no record of a jail, Demas. Try the neighboring towns. We're on it now. I'm here for Greg Wingate. Yeah. Elkins here to pick up Wingate. What? Stole him! No. I don't know. Think of something! We're having trouble finding the paperwork. City court. Judge Sears, please. Rudam! What the hell do you think you're doing? Wingate was supposed to be released 15 minutes ago. We're close. Have you got something you can give right now? No. Well, then kick him loose. I need a little more time. We think we know who he is. And if he is, he lived 20 miles from an identical murder two years ago. We don't have any more time. I just got a call from Judge Sears. She issued a writ for his immediate release. Thanks a lot. You're out of here. I want you on him the minute he walks out the door. All right, if he takes a shit, I want to know how many times he wipes his ass. Sign here. Thank you. Thanks. You too. My pleasure. The supposed killer gets out of prison, but shouldn't impersonating a federal officer be enough to hold him for a little while longer than 48 hours, I suppose. Well, yeah. anyways, they follow him as his taxi ride leads to a train station, which is just a way to elude the pigs, obviously. Well, you, you, real quick, you can tell this is pre 9-11 because no judge would let anybody go impersonating a federal officer. <laughs> Not anymore. No. Yeah. 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 You, 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 you get sent down to Guantanamo for that shit. <laughs> they just find what they need to identify the man as he gets a bag out of the train station and is on his way. 
more cops follow through the train station and this really feels like padding when he ducks into a toilet stall in the men's room to load up his gun and cover that noise with a bad fake uh, cough as he's doing it he starts changing his outfit into a conductor's uniform as well and sneaks one stall over to do so leaving a set of shoes and his pants behind to trick the pig we see him in a costume sneaking out of the train station as they try to match the prince and can now prove this guy is who they were looking for. They kick in the empty stall door and the pigs rush to lock it down, but that dude is already halfway through sawing off someone's head and limbs to finish his Jesus piecemeal corpse for fuck's sake. It's art, goddammit. They stretch out looking for the dude before Lambert IDs him and he pops a cap at him and runs off for a chase scene that lasts past the hour 30 minute mark. The killer escapes after Lambert biffs it on a luggage cart and that is the end of the first full hour and 30 minute mark. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Could it be more filler? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it absolutely could. Uh, We got 17 minutes left. Let's just fucking finish her off. Let's run through this shit. All right. So the run to the finish starts now with our 12th clip. I lost him. Shit! Five years ago, Demas attacks the local minister in Woodsville. The minister refuses to press charges, so they kick him loose. Yeah, but they still arrest him. Why weren't his prints in the system? Woodsville's a small department. He only came online with the Tennessee State Database three years ago. And even then, they only entered recent arrests into the system. Hundreds of millions of dollars in computers and we ID the guy because some old lady in Billingston, Tennessee is watching on TV? Incredible. Two and a half years later, Demas kills Philip Weir. Why'd he stop? Because two weeks after the murder was picked up in Tulsa, wandering the streets talking to the pigeons. He spent the next two years in the state mental hospital. They just released him three months ago. Why didn't he stay in Tulsa? Robert! This leads into a sequence of a dude being tased into submission until they show urine dripping down his pants. This dissolves into the pigs poking about and the aftermath and our 13th clip. Schofield, welcome. Thomas Hecker. 33. That's the boyfriend there. He works the graveyard at the Memorial Medical Center. Found him this morning when he came in from work. How long has he been dead for? A few hours. He took the torso. He left the legs, the arms, and the head. You think this is the end of it? I hope so. This didn't have to happen. All you had to do was hold Demas a little longer. Don't lay this at my door. This man would still be alive if your guys didn't lose him. Yeah, right. You seen this? They're running a pictorial of the crime scenes. Jesus. Next they'll be given tours. This isn't right. What isn't right? This photo. When we see all the crime scene, all the windows and shutters were closed. Look at the upstairs window. It's open. Where's the best place to hide? Somewhere we've already looked. Go upstairs. Go, go, move, move. After this, there is a sequence of them storming the initial crime scene and finding tons of serial killer altars with neon light and fluorescent tube made crosses adorning all of them. 
the pigs find the Jesus corpse made out of the pieces harvested from the killer's victims. It is absolutely grotesque. The body parts are in an advanced state of decay. And again, like I said, it's pretty fucking gross and pretty much the best fucking part of this whole fucking movie. And the main reason why it's on screen for an excessive amount of time as well is because this is your shit right here. This is what the killer was working for. This is what they were able to achieve. They pretty much win as far as you can tell because the corpse is complete right there in front of you. Yeah, it's it's really nice. It's really cool. It's fucking a... (laughs) Lambert's pig is called upstairs to find a video playing in progress, and that video is our pent ultimate clip. Check this out upstairs. Behold the glory of God. Sinners, take heed. Soon the hand of judgment shall be upon ye. Lambert explores the murder scene and realizes that there is one last part needed for the Jesus freak to complete his Jesus corpse, and that is the sacred heart, which means a woman named Mary who is giving birth only tonight for reasons not bothered to be explained to a son is in danger right now. She has to be giving birth tonight to a son and be named Mary, and then she's in danger, but they don't explain why. He just knows that that's the case all of a sudden. Yeah. He just knows they're in danger. Any thoughts on that being raised Catholic that why he would just know all of a sudden? Uh, Oh, Jesus. I mean, kind of, but not really. I don't. uh, It's because the sacred heart was supposed to be from Mother Mary, right? Is that? that Yeah. Here's the thing. While I am Catholic, I don't know a shit ton about it. Yeah, it it doesn't fucking matter. It's all an excuse to be able to rape babies anyway. Let's move on. Uh, Holy shit. Jesus Christ. That went out of fucking from five miles per hour to a billion. (laughs) <laughs> and yet it was still true in all of that speed yeah yeah it was great <laughs> anyway they track this whole thing down about this mary being given birth and are at a hospital yet again to find the killer and try to save the baby from the killer but unfortunately the killer has the baby right as they find him they find him and he has the kids so they can't shoot him obviously yet he's gonna just once again lengthening the runtime with another chase is what ends up happening the killer ends up on the roof and he's all of a sudden out of bullets so he uses the baby as a human shield which was fucking amazing and then as a bargaining chip as he just holds it by its feet over the edge of the roof of the hospital like he's gonna drop it the cop handles things horribly and that is our final clip (laughs) it's over give me the baby Put down the gun. Put it down! Okay. I would imagine this is a very painful situation for you with already losing one child. It's over! We've been to Belko's house and took the body! Sacrilege! You're nothing now! Nothing but another lunatic! One year from now, no one will even remember your name! If I drop this child, they will! No! my last offering. No! No! It's time for us to die. There you are, Mr. Burdell. Thank you. Are you all right? John, the baby's parents would like to thank you. Thank you for the life of my son. I'm glad he's all right. Please, take the... Thank you, thank you. I spoke to the doc. You're going to be out of the field for at least three months. It's not important. I need some time. 
I need to pick up some of the pieces in my life. Love you. I love you too. Hey. Hey, man. Come on in. It's in time for a test drive. You're looking good, Andy. No, I'm not. I look terrible. I met a guy around in Boston Marathon with one of these things on. When are you coming back to work? Oh, I'm coming back. Don't get me wrong, John. I'm coming back. I'm coming back. I'm not sitting behind one of those damn desks either. Guys ski with these things, you know. I'm okay, John. I'm okay. Listen, seriously, if this is gonna work for real, you gotta give me a chance, all right? You gotta give me a chance to come back. I'll be good as new, but you gotta give me a chance. You may have to pick up a fair share of the legwork, <laughs> but I will be back. Whatever you say, boy. And with that, we roll those motherfucking credits. That's uh, that's resurrection for you. Very uneven film that uh, kind of bounces around and doesn't know what it wants to do with its life, and kind of doesn't really work many years later. But in '99, when I saw it on like Stars or whatever, with its direct to cable debut, absolutely loved it. And the gore overshadowed everything else in my memory. (laughs) Yeah, that that, I mean, the gore part was really fun. Uh, The acting and that to be a real dick, but the story. I mean, just because it was so close to seven that it's just, I don't know, man, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Instead of being the seven deadly sins, it's let's build a Jesus corpse sort of. Yeah. The the stations stations of the the cross cross, sort of like vaguely mimicking with Catholicism, sort of vaguely. If there would have been um, some better acting in this, uh, then it would have saved the, the, with the gore and the acting, it would have saved a better, uh, it would, it would have saved this kind of lackluster kind of storyline. That's kind of, already been done was it Schofield or Schofield or whatever the actor that's like clearly a fucking sports ball player like I don't I've I I know he's like a basketball guy he was like one of the one of the cops he was like the tall yeah. cop you you know who I'm talking about you know sports yeah. ball you, you know the guy yeah 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 yeah, he played he played basketball for the Celtics, the Celtics, right, or some shit like that. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to think here. Um, yeah, I looked him up. It's Fox, Rick Fox. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I just yeah. looked him up. Yeah, it's definitely him. Okay, I was pretty sure he played for the Celtics. I kind of vaguely remembered him from that. Uh, I had a friend yeah. who was a Celtics fan, so I kind of knew. Uh, what I'm getting at is your basketball, sports ball playing dude here. Uh, yeah. Better acting from him than we were getting then, from Lambert in a lot of scenes. And he yeah. act. he's clearly a non-actor in this. Yeah, and Lambert, I think, was just like, oh, I guess I... Uh... I guess I get stuff now, you know, <laughs> guess I, I guess I get to just get paid and whatever after that. Well, he did another movie around this time and I haven't seen it for a very long time and it was called night moves. And I remember that being really good and feeling he was really flat in this, you know, like what, yeah. what they're trying to do is make him be both Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman's character from seven. And you can't, yeah. that's not a person that exists. I know no. people contain multitudes and all of that, but a person who is methodical and cautious and will investigate with caution and methodology is not the same person that flies off the handle emotionally constantly. Yeah, right. You you can't have it both ways. You can't be both of those people because they don't work that way. I can see him having a meltdown or two like his partner actually did in certain sequences where he was confronting like the headless person or whatever but having him fly off the handle and jump at like the the closest lead without doing any verifications not double checking the fbi agent who is clearly i mean 
Robert Joy walks into your fucking audience or into your fucking uh, police office, and it's obvious that he, to the audience that he is 100% the fucking killer. I mean, you just look at Robert Joy and you go, oh, yeah, he's fucking killing people. Yeah, he's he's definitely going to kill people. That's yeah. just how it is. Yeah, Robert Joy has only ever played one good guy in his entire career that I can think of off the top of my head, and that's in Land of the Dead, where he plays Charlie. Oh, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. And Charlie may not even be a good guy. He's just a dude trying to survive who is polite to those who around him. And in the apocalypse, that's really all you need. That's true. I mean, that's <laughs> uh, that's kind of the best way to go about that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Treat the people that are still living around you the best you can while you try to kill everything that is not alive and still coming to eat you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um, a, a rather disappointing film. And we've gone long enough that I, I think we can skip a story time on this. I don't really think we need to go in. We, let's just fucking close it out and that'll save let's, me for let's, picking more than a couple of fucking songs for... Yeah, let's get the <laughs> hell out of here. Alright, with that, we're going to play the Ending Legion show promo and when we come back, we will close out this fucking show. If you enjoyed this show, then make sure you check out the other great shows on the Legion Podcast Network, like Cinema psyops cinema beef devour the podcast duncan and Bo come correct exploding heads horror movie podcast friday the 13th get slayed the hell mean power hour hello this is the doom show hero hero go show kill the cast underwater kaiju from outer space jerry hates action legion after dark metal health obsessive cinema discourse pick six movies the podcast by the cemetery the podcast on haunted hill the psycho semantic podcast rick radio house of wax dude looks like the 80s rabbit and red radio the shade cast short bus cinema two drink minimum commentaries the vd clinic who will survive horror podcast and which versus the doomsday clock with such a widespread of shows there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with horror politics movies books sex music commentaries health video games kaiju action news comedy and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world we are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world check us out at www.legionpodcast.com itunes spotify stitcher youtube and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found that the band that I just picked to close out the show uh, for the pirate radio edit will somehow be befitting of resurrection. Although if I'm going to phone it in, I, I could just probably pick the word resurrect or just play the band resurrect because yeah. everybody else phoned this movie and except for a fucking basketball player. I'm hearing a lot of the word uh, erect around here. So... <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, that was handled last night. I'm I'm good. <laughs> oh, there you go. Good job. Yeah. Recording on Sundays, I always tell you about when I get laid the night before. <laughs> that is true. You usually do that. <laughs> if you'd like to find the other instances where I talk about my sex life and gross everyone out, you can find the previous 427 instances that I have done that at legionpodcast.com forward slash cinema dash psyops dash podcast. I'm also available on the Legion Discord chat, although I more or less just react and then sometimes reply to things. I probably should be on there a little bit more, but hey, there's still people conversing and uh, talking about the movies they're watching there, so that's great. Yeah, it's nice. <laughs> and here's a quick rundown on how to get your memes supplied to you in um, it, basically from our feeds for everything that we share it for. So first of all, the memes get shared to Cinema underscore PsyOps on Instagram, then the Facebook page of Cinema PsyOps, and then to my main feed, and then eventually the Cinema PsyOps Facebook group. All things aptly named for this podcast, Cinema PsyOps. Yeah. And Lord knows we all uh, we all need them. Uh, we, we, we all need them uh, memes because if you don't have memes in this time of life, what are we doing with ourselves? <laughs> well, while you're out there trying to forget about the inevitable end of the world by sharing memes with your fellow man that's still alive with you, kick the fuck out of this weekend. Make it your thing. <laughs> One, two, three. Cool. Yeah. Well, actually, if I use the Zoom calls in the future only and not the backup recording, you don't even yeah. have to do that counting anymore. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Then I don't have to do any of that work at all. So, all right. Um, up first is Resurrection, and then we finally get to talk about Laura Gemster next. So let's get rolling. Word up. All right. I'm going to play a little bit of the song so I can get a little bit of a hit in or two. So here we go. I'm trying to find the movie here real quick, and uh, that is so weird. The name Resurrection. There we go, Resurrection. Ah, shit. I hit delete uh, <laughs> to try and uh, delete a link, and then that just got out. So I'm just going to st stop it there. No big deal. Um, if anything, the episode will just be slightly longer than what we were actually expecting it to be from there. And I'll pick up from my notes, because we both watched this. We know what's going on. Yeah.
Well, while you're out there trying to forget about the inevitable end of the world by sharing memes with your fellow man that's still alive with you, kick the fuck out of this weekend. Make it your picks. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, quick break for bathroom and then uh, get back to the recording for uh, the Lord Gemser finally. Fuck yeah, let's do it. 